the world is in the midst of the worst seven years of human history. People aren't going to be eating and drinking, giving in marriage, you know, carrying on as normal as, as in the days before the flood. So I think the biggest thing, the biggest question to ask here is what makes our generation different or what makes my prediction different, right? What makes everyone who's predicting the end times right now different from the 2000 years back all the way to the apostles and disciples who claimed they were in the end days. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Um, all right. Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Whenever you're listening to this, today we're talking to Johnny, who is predicting the return of Jesus and has quit his job. And that's where we'll begin. So well, That's intense. <laughs> so what's going well because i saw this linkedin post that you had we're connected on linkedin and you were like i'm quitting my job because of a conflict of values and i'm preparing my family and my household for what's coming and i was like well that sounds interesting we have to figure out what's going on so what is going on well uh first of all thanks for having me on excited to be here um so uh part one of your question, why did I quit my job? That's slightly, I guess it's sort of unrelated to the end times. Um, the end times okay. definitely are influencing me right now to not go and actively look for new paid work. Right. Mm, we might have more in common than I suspected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what were you doing? You were like a software engineer at a startup. What What was going on? Yes. So I was I was a software engineer at a startup. Uh, we were in the Web three social media space. You know, minting NFTs, all that fun stuff. And I was there for about a year. And uh, so I quit in June. And as Many of you probably know June is uh, Pride Month for the LGBT folks. Oh, yes. It's a very tenuous time in corporate life. <laughs> and as you may also know, uh, the Bible is pretty clear about uh, its stance on LGBT stuff. And uh, so long story short, my company was starting to, you know, kind of advertise you know their their acceptance their encouragement of lgbt kind of stuff on social media and i just felt like uh you know from god's perspective me working at this company was essentially uh me putting this stuff on social media myself hmm. oh that's so um, interesting so you felt kind of like maybe you were being spoken for in that you know, the whole company was printing like everybody here who works here, this is what we support. And you didn't feel like that was you. Well, it sounds right. more like you were, they were telling you to actually, it's not that they were supporting it. It's like, you need to be uh, helpful in the promotion of this material. Well, you know, I wouldn't say I had to go on social media myself and publish anything, you know, uh, it wasn't like that. It, it just came down to, 
uh, you know, and I, I don't, I don't think I was acting rash in this, but they, it's not like they were the biggest advertiser of this stuff, you know, and the time that I quit, we saw, uh, Bud Light or whatever put Dylan Mulvaney on their cans and stuff like that and I would say the most extreme thing we were doing was publishing like LGBT user testimonies which happened to we we would like pick these folks out of our audience right out of our people on our platform and interview them and say okay why why did you why do you do your work what influenced you you know and from my perspective, we were trying to get them to talk about their LGBT influences and that ended mm. up like that led to us publishing some pretty extremist LGBT stuff on social media. And oh, like what kind of extreme stuff? Like what was the content? So oh I I've got to look up. We could, you could find these newsletters like online. Um, but one of the things that comes to mind is one of our users had a very interesting dynamic where her, she was like publishing a, a separate virtual identity or persona that was uh, like gender, like didn't have a gender that was meant to bring attention to uh, kind of LGBT folks. And it was just like, that's a little confusing even for me, you know, uh, yeah. not to mention the, you know, young folks who are going to see this on social media who are into mm. NFTs and follow us and stuff like that. So it was just not something I was about. Interesting. Yeah. And this was a small company too, right? You only had like a couple people who worked here. So it's not like, oh, the company, I'm one in a sea of thousands. Of course, nobody would associate me with this company. It's like you would be one of a, a couple people in the company. Yeah, I was I was like one of, like, I want to say we had five engineers at the time. And then we had like 12 people total. So I almost made up like 10% of the company, you know? Okay. Yeah. Usually you see this kind of call it what it is virtue signaling stuff coming from like the these mega global corporations or like the targets and walmarts and mm. anheuser-busch <clears throat> things like that so that's kind of weird that you would have such a small group of people prioritize prioritize that and you know you figure which prioritize business over anything else at that point <laughs> yeah yeah was it a successful business uh we we had started making money. Um, I'm not, I don't know the exact revenue numbers, but you know, we, I was, I think the company has only been around for like when I left, like a little over a year. I joined mm. pretty early and worked there for a year. Um, so where but, was this stuff coming from? Like, was it the CEO or was like, I'm really into this. We got to all do it, all 12 of us or whatever. Uh, you know, these folks are like, live and grew up in New York City. Uh, oh. they went to school around there. A lot of them went to NYU and stuff like that. So, I mean, um, most of the company was not Christian. So, uh, you know, you, 
I feel like some you always have to subscribe to some sort of moral ideology. And generally in the U.S., especially up in the Northeast, from what I know, people who aren't Christian probably are, you know, liberal, I guess. They subscribe to the, the you know, in, the diversity, equity, inclusion Bible rather than the Christian one, you know. Um, A secularism in the big cities of sorts. Yeah, so I think that's where it came from. Um. So interesting. I don't know. Yeah. So you just said I'm out of here, and then you left. Well, I had a I had a good conversation with a few people that I trusted who worked there. You know, I, I talked to the CEO about this. Um, we had a conversation. Uh, where I don't know. I felt like he was comparing the company. The company is like. LGBT stuff to other companies, LGBT stuff like Target and Bud Light, right? Hmm. And he was saying, you know, uh, we're 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 not even close to the worst offender compared to all these people. And essentially, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, well, my moral standard isn't based on what companies do, right? My moral standard is is based on uh, the Bible, you know. Um, and one of the things that really got to me was he was like, we're not even changing our logo for pride month. And, uh, you know, in some internal com- company communication, I'm sure it's already out there now, but, uh, they were like, here's how we're celebrating pride month. And it was like a rainbow primitives hmm. logo. And I was like, Oh, what, what about this? He said, uh, Oh, it's, it's not for the whole month. It's only for the day. It's only for one day, so I guess I don't know. It it just seemed pretty confusing to me, and it seems that, like it would be a bit. I mean, so wh- I'm trying to get I'm trying to get at where like your mind is, because then we gotta move into some of the content stuff. Because I did read like a, oh, pretty yeah. much that whole, one of those whole articles. Um, we gotta talk about the end times, right? Exactly, <laughs> but it. So I'm just, but I'm trying to get like where you're coming from because I'm not in the same boat necessarily, but in a tangentially similar <clears throat> boat as far as like my work. Uh, but the, so, I mean, companies in my mind are no matter if you're not doing your own thing, you're doing someone else's thing to some extent, helping them do their thing. And it seems like it is a, a far reaching expectation to, to assume that whether this is like something as contentious as like all the stuff that's going on these days, whether it be black lives matter, uh, trans agenda, whatever, that it'd be asking a, a bit much to say, well, the company's, you know, antics should kind of fall in line with my personal moral values. And just so you know, my personal more about you, you know, just if you have any questions, just read the Bible. You know, that just seems like almost an unrealistic expectation that a company would. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, there must be more to this and I'll give you, so it doesn't sound like I'm coming at you like it from a weird position. I, my last, well, not my last job, but my prior to last job, my last like kind of more real job, I was fired 
for something that some people could say kind of the same thing to me. They, oh, really? You, you just couldn't put the mask on, you know? Because so, I was fired, and it's kind of a, for a mask kind of situation. It was like it's a bit much to expect them to just go, oh, well, you don't believe there's a worldwide pandemic and you're just some fucking guy that works at this company like we're not doing that you know mine was a little more complicated than that but it takes a lot to explain the nuance of it and i'm actually feel pretty justified to let people assume that yeah it was the it might as well have been the company just telling me to put a mask on i still would have had the same stance basically and i would have i still you know it still fits but for me at the time, if you remember, things were all, nothing had like gone to the wayside, only important stuff had, you know, but we were still freaking out about in my, what I call the scamdemic, the fake pandemic. We were still freaking out about Black Lives Matter. We were freaking out about trans people. We were freaking out about everything. The world is melting down. I'm watching businesses around me shut down. I have these complete and utter fools just walking, you know, like darting across sidewalks so they don't you know come breathe the outdoor air near you like so i was i was fed up on a level that was just you know and we were in or i was in still in college at the time we had had it go home no more college go you know just go back home and just sit there and do you know so i was i felt like everything was so extreme i wasn't in college at the time that i but this happened, but it was all happening around the same time. So to me, it was much more than ultimately, well, could, you know, you're just violating my morals by telling me to wear a mask. Like it was so much more than that. So I feel like there must be more than just like, well, I just strongly believe in the Bible. And if you don't do everything the Bible says, then I just can't work here. Yeah. it And there was a little bit more context to it. Uh, actually, just a couple of months maybe just a month and a half before i quit that job i went to a commissioner's meeting uh county commissioner yes for scythe county oh uh, awesome i this is interesting and because i if, know we have some bad ones yeah if well i i don't know the the what i spoke about was because I, I went there with a, like my church right and we we spoke out against uh some like drag folks trying to put on a children's show at a publicly funded uh like county you know building or whatever like literally i'm i'm literally five minutes away from the building they were trying to put the show on and i don't know i i did a little bit of research into why uh this is wrong because like i know the bible tells me this stuff is wrong like i know the bible tells me you know cutting your genitals off because you feel like you were put in the wrong body like god gave you the wrong body is is there's probably something wrong with your mind you know there's probably some sin going on it's, it's yeah. i don't think you need that, jesus right? to know to arrive at that logic <laughs> yeah Pers but just personal <laughs> i i did a little bit more research <laughs> And I, I figured out there's this uh, U.S. transgender survey that was conducted in like 2015 or 2017 or something like that. And they surveyed hundreds of thousands of folks who just identified as transgender. And one of the things they found was uh, of the people surveyed, 40% of them 
had attempted suicide in their lifetimes. And they uh, obviously yes. can't survey dead transgender people. So you have to wonder, like, how high is that number actually? Because the people who died from suicide clearly, like, attempted suicide. You know, you, right. you kind of have to. Um, so it, it makes me wonder, like, how high is that number? And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, like, go into why that number is high. You know, all I know from, from that fact, right, is transgender people have a high suicide rate for one reason or another. You know, it could be because something's messed up in their head. It could be because of bullying. I'm not sure. But what Probably I do know... both. Yeah. And, and what I do know is if we are encouraging people to become transgender or with like drag shows or with social media posts that say, oh, if you're transgender, we're going to pick you out of our platform and, you know, promote your content make you, mm. you know, stuff like that and encourage people to be transgender. Like all I know is if you put more people into that category, more people are going to kill themselves. More people are going to use drugs. More people are going to have mental health issues. So beyond the Bible, you know, I went and to that commissioner's meeting. I spoke out against these things and like having all these things fresh on my mind in June, right? Uh, my company started advertising this stuff and I was like, if I stay here, I'm a hypocrite. Hmm. You know, I'm not a man of my word. And that's one of the only things we have. Right. So you were yeah. worried essentially like people shouldn't maybe be exposed to these ideas or we shouldn't at least be celebrating them, be prideful of them. when we know that there's a high uh, comorbidity with, trans people like people who identify as that and then suicide as well as mental health disorders that's uh, fairly well documented um so yeah okay so you were concerned maybe more probably it's not just oh it's you know that's not my beliefs and the company should obey my beliefs but it's like also i'm concerned that this isn't even a helpful or beneficial message like this may actually be harming people in the broader community exactly and you know, one of the things I did say in the conversations with like my former coworkers was I was like, you know, if we choose like going forward to just omit this type of stuff, you know, to not glorify this, like we could mm. still, you know, obviously promote people's content that also happen to be LGBT. Like that's if I don't know, I feel like there's a fine line in what I'm saying, right? But I don't know. I feel like publishing the extremist content, playing along with this pride agenda and stuff like that was just, it was, it was too much. And it's totally, it's for, it's totally ideological. I mean, cause it doesn't really, you could, because then there's a month for everything. There's a day for everything. There's so many months for everything that every month gets multiple things. So <laughs> it really is just pick and choose. And when the elite power structure of the world seems to be picking, that's what starts to bother me because you're actually talking about this. I was in like karate stance ready to be like, I don't know, this guy's going to say something weird, but like, I think I'm more, you probably seem to certain crowds if they were exposed to this kind of thinking like more extreme because you're coming from a such a defined ideological point of view, which is like Christianity. And as we all know, being a Christian is basically like worse than being a pedophile. So that's <laughs> Apparently, a joke. Yeah. That's just that's the way it's like people just have such a viscerally negative reaction to Christianity 
And well, I yeah, we have a Pride that. Month and we don't have a Christian month. Like, <laughs> yeah. because that would be just because that would be unbelievably immoral and unethical to promote white because it would just be associated Apparently. with the worst of everything: white Christian radical, what extremism or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, because Christianity are, calls out wrong. You know, it is. It's a moral structure. That's the problem. And even relating this to the end times, one of the things yeah. we know is in Luke chapter 17, Jesus says, you know, the end days will be like the days of Lot. And do y'all know the story of Lot? Uh, I do. I don't. So please explain. And for anyone who's listening. So well, the story of Lot, I believe, is in Genesis 19. And it's essentially Lot was one of, one of the righteous inhabitants of the city. And basically, in the chapter before Abraham or God was telling Abraham that he was going to go destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah because they're unrighteous. They were known for like sexual immorality and kind of the stuff related to the LGBT, LGBT agenda. Um and so God told Abraham this, and Abraham was like, are you going to destroy the city even if there's righteous people in there? And God was like, no. And this is a picture of the rapture right here, by the way. So God sends his angels in. He sends two angels in, and Lot, the righteous, finds them. And he's like, yeah, y- y'all better come into my house. Uh, and the angels were like, eh, no, we're, we're fine outside. And then Lot was like, no, you're not. So they come into the house. And then for one reason or another, I guess the city found out the two angels were there. And um, it sounds like it's in the story. It makes it sound like they're just roving this like massive, like debaucherous, raving lunatics kind of. Yeah, exactly. Like just like hoarding around, kind of like raping and pillaging or something. That's how the story reads. Yeah. And so they come up to Lost door, literally trying to break it down. Um and they're like, give give us the two men in your house, or the two angels in your house. And Lot's like, no, you can't have them. You can have my uh, yeah, unmarried so we can have daughters. Se- so we can have sex with them. Yeah, right. What, that was what right. they wanted. Yeah. Mm. We we want to know them uh, carnally. I think is the word. Mm. So, uh, yeah. The essentially the angels intervene are like, uh, you know, don't don't give your daughters to them. Just close up the door. And then uh, the next day, Lot and his family leave Sodom and Gomorrah, sexually immoral city. And then, you know, this is the picture of the rapture right here, the church leaving the evil world, right? And then as soon as uh, Lot and his family reach their destination, uh, God rains down fire and just destroys his, the whole city full of only unrighteous people. Yeah, except for his wife, right? She's turned into a pillar of salt because she looks back at the city because she's kind of doesn't want to maybe go so badly. Yeah, that little bit of desire of the world, desire of sin or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think the there's probably a little bit of symbology there to looking back. Just don't even look back once. Mm. And she's like, I got to look back just one time. Yeah. But, see what's going on. It, but the, the, the point is, you know, that city was destroyed for sexual immorality. Like, that was its primary sin. I'm sure there was other ones going on. 
Um, and you know, given that I also believe like we're like right at the end of the end times, um, it doesn't exactly make sense for me to be kind of participating in the whole Sodom and Gomorrah activities associated with the days of Lot, especially if me as a Christian want to get raptured. You know, if I'm a part of that sexual immorality stuff, like who's to say God's going to be like, ah, well, yeah, I told you the days, the end days were like the days of Lot and here you were, you know, working at a company promoting this whole agenda making the making the city even more like Sodom and Gomorrah you know I'm I'm just not willing to take that chance Mm. yeah so I guess should we should you say why exactly you think because okay me for sure Ben not so much I think he was got a little bit of the tail end of our upbringing but like (laughs) like uh, yes like I had to throw my I had to like throw my Pokemon cards away when I was a kid, you know, because of the devil or whatever. Like- we were raised very Christian. Like I think to most people, we were raised in like, not just like, oh, Christianity, that's uncommon. But like we were like an extreme version of Christianity, like very intense. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so with that has come lots of exposure to prediction to different, even different interpretations, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, rapture, whether or not that's even a real thing, whether these end-time thing. I mean, I'm talking like a plurality of different viewpoints, but all within kind of some radical notion. Some even indicating that the a lot of that stuff's already actually happened, uh, and that you're that it. We're like right. just so many it. views, yeah, so about many the end views. times and predictions about what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, and yeah. So I just see it as a oh, a difficult. Uh, people do this in the secular world too, all the time. But you know, I mean, Y two K was a good example. Mm-hmm. So this like prediction, specific prediction kind of model is just so for me. I don't mean this in a negative way. I just can't think of the right word, but like the weakest kind of point to make decisions based on or hedge your bets on. Now I do understand the notion that something is going on. Like, and I think again, even from a secular point of view, you might want to not live your life like it was 1999 that was a bad example because that indicates the Y2K thing. But I mean, like just some <laughs> other regular time in history. Not that 1985. Really had anything. What, what's funny <laughs> yeah. is I just saw an article that was like, oh, NASDAQ is partying like it's 1999. So it's kind of oh. But it, so that 99 was the worst example because that was another crazy time where it's like, oh, you know, like actually everything could be done tomorrow, apparently. Like next year we could all be dead. Something bad's going to happen. Who knows? But it just seems like a really scary sketchy kind of thing to hang your head on so what is it that makes you think now i read your article uh the what was it called the other one the second one you sent me ben the un one it was all about the un and stuff like that agenda 21 agenda 2030 
uh, I know there's like another agenda out there too. Twenty forty five. Our or common agenda. Yeah, there's a million yeah, of them. Um, so that one now that one had a lot of the extra kind of biblical stuff in there as well. So what is mm-hmm. what? Is, so where's all this? I guess is parsimoniously as possible like what is the picture like what is bringing this about for you so i think the biggest thing the biggest question to ask here is what makes our generation different or what makes my prediction different right what makes everyone who's predicting the end times right now different from the 2000 years back all the way to the apostles and disciples who claimed they were in the end days. Yeah. They even thought it was about to be over any day now. (laughs) Right. Right. There's like a bias too, I think in social science where they call that, like people always think it's the end times or something, something like Mm -hmm. that too. And I would just point to three signs. The first sign is Israel being a nation. Israel was regathered in one day right after the Holocaust and I believe May 14th of 1948. This fulfilled a very specific prophecy and I believe it's in Isaiah 60. I could be wrong. 60 verse 8 I'm pretty sure or maybe it's 66 verse 8 but the prophecy goes who, who has even heard of this? a nation regathered in one day, you know, and mm-hmm. not to mention, so Israel is regathered. One of the other things that's interesting about the recent Israel history is uh, they want to build a temple. If y'all have heard the Temple Institute, they have, yeah, I have. they've trained priests they have all the furniture except for the Ark of the Covenant, which they many claim the Temple Institute knows where it is. And they're preparing uh, a red heifer sacrifice. They've been waiting for that red heifer for a long time. I remember this going back years and years. Like they might have had one and they're looking for like one stray hair and then they find like a white hair or something. They're like, ah, it's not this one. So, Wait, so when did this start, this building of the temple? Do you know? Is like recent, like past couple years or past whenever? Um, so they actually haven't they haven't started building it yet. They've just been preparing all these things so that when the command is given, when you know maybe the treaty is made with the Palestinians, for example, or whatever that looks like, um, they can build the temple and immediately start sacrificing and worshiping in it. So, but they haven't actually, you know gotten the hmm. stones out or put the tabernacle up or, or whatever on top of the temple mount. And the command is coming from God. Is that right? Or Well, the command is that? probably well, it's the gonna... fulfillment of those three things. Like that's oh. their sign. It's like, we're going to have right. a red heifer is going to be born. We're going to have, uh, what were the, well, I don't even know. It's like Israel has to be there and there, but some, there's something has to give way for them to, actually start and i'm assuming this is all if it goes to prophecy it's kind of all gonna happen at once like you said like a treaty will go through like we're always talking about oh israel palestine you know whatever ceasefire something something is going to happen that might trigger all of this to fall into place exactly and and this red heifer sacrifice they actually have three i believe red heifers right now that are like either 
of age. It has to be like two years old or very close. And right now, the plan is sacrifice the red heifer in Passover 2024, which wow. is like in April, I want to say, near Easter. Um, so, so did we get through your three signs? You mentioned the one, the gathering of Israel, the two, this temple being built. Well, is those right? are sort of related. Or the same right? one, okay. Um, and of course, why, why does this matter? Uh, Jesus prophesied the abomination of desolation, where the Antichrist stops sacrifices and offerings and abominates the temple at the three-and-a-half-year point of the seven-year tribulation. So three-and-a-half years before Jesus comes back for good, this event takes place. And, of course, the prerequisites to that event are Israel being in place, the Jews being in Israel, and the temple being rebuilt and sacrifices and offerings taking place. So that's kind of sign one, right? Okay. Uh, sign two, and I, I think our generation, the younger folks, kind of like this one, uh, especially me because I came out of software. Uh, Mark of the Beast technology. Are y'all are y'all familiar with the mark of the beast? That no one who it's everyone great and great and poor or rich and poor, small and great has to take this mark of the beast. And if you don't, then you're not allowed to buy or sell. That's what the Bible says in Revelation 13. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of actually what got me into Bible prophecy back in 2021 when the COVID vaccine mandates came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the Bill Gates, uh, Luciferase patent, patent 60606 or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit that happened right around yeah. there that was a little creepy. And it's like here a free country is, along with the rest of the whole world essentially, uh, mandating that you take this medical procedure equivalent to a mark on your right wrist or on your forehead, right? Or if you don't take it, then you can't work at a certain job and you can't go to a movie theater, you can't go to the restaurant, you can't go to the store, you can't buy or sell. You know, of course, this wasn't the fulfillment of the Mark of the Beast. It was a test run. That's right. Seemingly. <laughs> Yeah, so you so think, though, like, maybe digital currencies are coming and that's the fulfillment of this Mark of the Beast prophecy? Is that where you're going? Yes. So digital IDs, digital currency, not Bitcoin, not Ethereum, but like central bank digital currency is kind of what I'm thinking. Like that's the thing that'll probably be linked to the digital ID, which references, you know, your your bank account, your medical history, you know, your job, the vaccine maybe. passport they want you to have. Yes, exactly. And what's kind of crazy is this is sort of already the case in like the Norwegian peninsula and countries like Sweden. They have a little, a little grain of rice microchip that they use to get into their workplaces, to unlock their cars, to pay for things. Uh, this is that technology is there. That digital ID, that the little mark. It's, it's already in people's hands. I don't know if that's the mark of the beast. It probably isn't either. But all of these are like just kind of, yeah, you know, trial runs. 
movement like toward that mm-hmm. fulfillment of that idea and its completeness, maybe. So that's the second sign. And then the third sign, what was the last thing you were going to say? So the third sign is, and I'm, I'm really, and I get this from Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse. The w- biggest thing Jesus warns us of is in the end times is deception. Mm. Now, I feel like our generation, I don't just feel this. I think it's like objectively provable. Our generation is subject to some of the most intense propaganda and intense deception technologies that there are. You ever deep you fakes? Know, exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Those I don't know if those are commonplace. For all I know, you're I'm a deep fake right now, so who knows? <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. but I don't even know if we're gonna know when deep fakes come like commonplace and start deceiving people in mass. We probably are it's probably gonna be, you know, a month or two. And then we're going to realize, oh, wait, all these videos were deep fakes. Well, I mean, you some know? things have already begun to circulate, like the image of the Pope that people thought was real and stuff. And so there's very realistic things already out there that people are confused about. So, yeah, I don't think that's far off. That We get these technology dumps. It's like when they give you chat GPT, this is not the most advanced AI system on the face of the planet. They don't, they don't just give that to the entire world for free. They don't do that. That's not how that works. So, I mean, if you think that... It's not? No, I just don't think so. So if pe- people that think that kind of thing, I don't know what... I think those people are actually under a strong delusion already. Like, that's that's like a g- perfect image of like the kind of the way you will be deceived is like... Like you have... We always talk about the t- this tech billionaire podcast we listen to. And I'm like, these people actually sound like they... Like they should know. But they actually sound like they think... That whatever yes. CNN says about AI is true stuff about AI. And, you know, they're just totally swept away in it, thinking that this actually is like the a game changer. Oh, my God. Like, uh, how, wow. How did this just happen overnight? <laughs> Amazing. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening there, but that's oh what God. the delusion will look like. I think, and but, uh, you know, the okay, so. I feel like we're kind of tainting the podcast because this is like way off, off the deep end. This all like Bible prophecy stuff, but I don't care. Like I'm actually, Whatever. I, I'm I so, think people need to hear some crazy thoughts, but I yeah. do too. It's called, so it's literally called the social psycho. So, um, we're platforming anyone who wants to come on. Exactly. And this is actually going to reveal the name of our podcast, the social psycho, because you're about to find out how crazy I am. So <laughs> I am actually not so far off of like some of these thoughts. I don't, I just, the difference between me and most people saying things that they think is that in a quiet moment, I'll admit that I really don't know anything, but I will also have to admit at this point that like, I'm also, it's not like I'm saying I'm right a lot. I'm saying that I'm right a lot. And I don't think it takes much to be right really because it's actually that crazy and it and it really as i've gotten older which i'm not old but like as i've gotten older i'm like i've been very sensitive to like the feeling of time it's just one of those things that just kind of gets me a little bit and the way that it feels throughout a lifetime and i don't know if it's the same for every lifetime that anyone's ever lived or if there's also something about our technologically 
connected world or I don't know if it like turning CERN on like makes time feel different. I have no idea, but it's, it is to me being a, what do they call me? A, a millennial where like we didn't have, how old are you? I'm 24. Okay. So I'm slightly older, but not too much, but I think the age does make a difference and the Gen Xers should be more sensitive to this, but they had a prime in the nineties. So it's a different, they had a different reality. We didn't have, like, we literally just got the internet. Like when I was old enough to actually remember my life, you know, like we had nothing, you know, like no real, that was like, they were inventing it almost. And then now in my single life and I still feel young, like this is the internet. Like I'm in my pocket on this device that beams shit into like outer space or something. I don't know how this works. I don't even like, I'm, how am I watching 4k video? How are we literally talking right now? There's no co- plugs in my computer. Nothing. It's just air or, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's absolutely insane. So that creates this feeling of like time compression as well. But like I said, I was watching uh, just like 10 years ago, maybe all these videos of people talking about these red heifers, people talking about the mark of the beast, people coming back and saying this mark of the beast crap isn't going to happen. And people have always said this. I mean, all these different arguments. And there actually is a not a common thread in the argument, but a common thread in the experience. So it's not surprising to me or even impressive that people keep trying to say that some end is near. And people, it is, what is surprising to me is that, is that intelligent people who are older than me don't understand that the amount of acceleration within our, with our, within our lifetime is actually breaknecking. So... Because even mainstream history is like, oh, you know, for like a million billion years, okay, let's be okay. Well, let's be realistic because it still sounds hyperbolic. For thousands of years, we all we ever figured out was just wood wheel horse. That was it. And then something happened, and within a certain amount of time, we've gone from horse and wooden wagon to internet in my pocket, airplanes in the sky, rockets to the moon or whatever. I mean, just everything is out of control. Yeah. Um, So I think my point here is... You know, all that was declared from Genesis 1. That's my point, is that there's something weird about reading it in the Bible, literally, like seeing some predictions that honestly are hard to actually make sense of without the modern world. Like in Timothy, uh, he talks about in the end, towards the end of days, it will people will be moving to and fro across the earth and like all these, and you're like... And knowledge well, will increase. And knowledge will increase. You're like, what is that? Like, I, why, why wouldn't that be like just then? You know, like, because they could have just made the predictions. He could have just said like, see how it is now. But it's like, so whatever they were doing in those days... Now we had like Rome and Greece and ancient uh, Middle Eastern civilizations were great civilizations supposedly, but that wasn't it. That wasn't moving to and fro across the the world. That wasn't increased knowledge. I mean, but in hindsight, over a short amount of time, okay, also we can include things like the Mark of the Beast and what it says that that is for. Like that's a difficult thing to even imagine 
in how like imagine being in a world where there's like you literally there is no like fast communication there's just like whatever's happening in your little village made of rocks Mm. and someone's telling you that like one day you won't i won't i won't even sell like what do you mean i won't be able to buy or trade like you won't sell me uh milk if i don't have a mark like that how could you really understand that Uh, there's no not enough communication globally to implement something like that globally right or even like village to village because you're talking about like something that we're told looks very primitive how like so this this whatever they're talking about has to develop and then it's like are they just did they just get really lucky and so i'm going to point out something in a minute that kind of flips this all on its head but you might ask well, those are so you might just say, "Oh, the Bible's just full of random predictions, and it's like luck that it turned out this way," or the Bible's full of non-random predictions, and it's true, and that's why things turned out this way because that's what the the future actually held. Because there's so much that it's kind of indisputably true. Like we're going, okay, whether or not you believe in the mark of the beast as it declares in the Bible, like you're going to have the mark of the beast. Like you're going to have something connected to you. There's been a thousand iterations of this, the national ID that we all have now that used to be a state ID, your birth certificate, the fact that you're kind of a corporation, that your social security number kind of turns you into a different kind of entity like this. There's just, it's iteration upon iteration. And we're literally here right here before we get, we're talking about world banks doing CBDC central bank, digital currencies global. Yeah. Global on a global scale. They shut the fucking world down. I'm sorry. Like they turned it off and they just said, we let's see if we can turn it off. They turned the switch. It turned off. They're like, yeah, it's working. We got it. You know, we, they figured (laughs) out the weak spots. They, they'll go, they'll come back, regroup, figure that out next time. And, they halfway admitted what they were obsessed with during the pandemic, uh, making sure that you got vaccines and making sure that the global elite can completely and utterly control this thing that came out of nowhere that no one had ever heard of before supply chains. Like now we're just obsessed with supply chains. Refrigeration had a boom that everyone forgot about. Like that all happened. They didn't spend like a trillion dollars on like refrigeration. And then like, whoops, we, we thought the pandemic would be longer. I guess we'll throw that in the trash. Like this is all going somewhere. For sure. Or this is my I this I tend towards this explanation. I'd be curious to hear what you think about this. And I don't know if it's answerable. Or there's a they out there, registered trademark, big capital T they. Not the transgender one. Uh, no, not that one. Those, that's little t. That's lowercase t. And oh. I actually, I actually understand that less than I understand the big t. They. <laughs> not that I understand either one. Oh my gosh. Um, but that this big t they is using all of this, whatever you want to call it, biblical, ancient philosophy, ancient texts, because you can find iterations of this in like Plato, even like there's things that are concerning in all of the great works. That this is like a, they're using it as like a blueprint for some reason. I don't know. It seems inescapable and it seems to, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, I need to make, do the prayer, help me with my unbelief, but I don't believe mm. as much that it's prophetic, although they're using it as a blueprint, which perhaps 
is a tautology and argues for itself that therefore it is prophetic because it's going to it happen. Could still be yeah. <laughs> either way. So yeah, so I think I'm bothered by that conundrum actually as I got it out. But what do you think? Uh, the scripture that comes to mind is in Isaiah. It says, "God declares the end from the beginning." Um, it does say that. I I tend to believe the the blueprint of the Bible is being followed even today uh, because it's true. Um, I think. But so many of the things that are being fulfilled are from like evil lizard people. So like, why are they? <laughs> What's going like you know what I'm saying? It's almost like why would you do like why does Bill Gates have a technology patent that incorporates into the vaccine platform thing, which is so clearly seems to be an iteration of this Mark of the Beast thing? And why is the patent number zero six zero six zero six? It's like you'd think you just how is that even Wouldn't coincidental? That. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like, like you just what? What are you doing? Like coming from the other side, like Satan looking at the Bible and saying, you know, I want to execute my agenda. Why would he follow the Bible if he can read it? Like the same, the same blueprint ends with its destruction. You know what I mean? It's like this is what the devil's gonna do. It's like if I'm the devil, and I get the Bible, and I'm like, I'm a bad guy. I want to do bad things, and I'm like, oh shit, he has all my plans. <laughs> maybe I'll try something else, you know, or like maybe I'll do a change up here. Well, he added because some I zeros. think you have these pe- huh? six six six. He added some zeros in there, so yeah, that's just right. to throw us off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It seems because it seems like there's like literally people. This is a debate we'll never get to the bottom of. I think we have it every every week, but like there's like there's people doing this stuff, and it's not like holy people and then at the same time there's like people who seem like holy people not holy but you have like the people who do kind of buy into some of this stuff and they have a lot of bad ideas too so i'm just not finding it's hard to know the trees by its fruit by their fruit because i don't all the fruits looking pretty bad to me from everywhere yeah well here's my so i yeah I feel like you don't even have to be a believer in the Bible or any of this, like literally to see the nature of how things are going and how terrible, you know, the outcomes might be for communities and societies and individuals. And then, so I guess I'm skeptical, like, and for context, people can read, you have a sub stack and I'll link it in the show notes, but you're like kind of prophesying some things or quoting some maybe there was some actual stuff that has some dates i want to correct you real quick i am not prophesying anything i am reading the bible and interpreting what it prophecies okay okay yeah so but there you have like all these dates laid out and like an interpretation a specific literal interpretation of what the bible said kind of vaguely maybe um and so i guess that's my objection so i don't know that we can understand it specifically, like maybe that's not the right specific interpretation, but regardless of like, was this specific event, what this thing in the Bible vaguely referenced, I'm like, I don't know. But regardless of that, I'm kind of like, I can see the movement, the overall arc of where we're heading being mirrored with the arc of the story of the Bible. So there's that. And people can check out your Substack for like the specific information. Um, But I guess this is the other thing I wanted to ask you is like, 
the alternative to me is like kind of what we were saying a second ago is like the apocalypse is just always upon us. You know, like the end times are always here. And it's not like the story of the Bible isn't like a story of like a time bound, like from one year to the 2000 years later or whatever. It's like actually the whole thing is metaphorical or like the, everything folds in on itself. Like the end times this is always is timeless. Here. Yes, exactly. And there's something about cycles. Yeah, like the Genesis story, like prophesying things that were going to come in Revelations and how mirrored those stories are. And then you think like, well, how could it like, what do we really mean? Like the end, like time is just going to end. The world's going to be blown up and there's going to be nothing left. Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know that that's it. Like maybe the alternative is just the end is always here. We're always dealing with this struggle of like death and rebirth and something like that. So what's your thoughts on an alternative viewpoint like that? Um. One thing I'll say is uh, something I subscribe to and I've heard a lot of prophecy teachers teach uh, is prophecy like can have like pre-fulfillments. So like Jesus comparing the the last judgment event to Babylon, to the days of Noah, to the days of Lot, you know, all of these things are kind of types of the same thing right like people turning from god and god saying like well if you want to turn to sin have some more you know have have some more uh fire from heaven you know yeah have a second helping right right it's like uh, it's happening on different scales almost like it happens on a city scale and now it's like we're just almost it's like happening on a global scale which is maybe the oh. most intense manifestation of it but it's like to mm. me i'm like i feel like this has always been going on it's just Right now, it's like, this is the most intense manifestation. It may be the ultimate. Maybe the ultimate, even. Yeah. And I do believe there is going to be an ultimate fulfillment. Uh, but that being said, like, to your point of, like, having the, the cyclical nature of, like, pre-fulfillments, I guess. Uh, one thing I've also heard is that Satan has always had an antichrist kind of on deck, I guess you could say. Like he's mm-hmm. always had one there. A lot of people think Hitler was actually one. Uh, I was listening to something recently that was talking about Hitler's like colleagues or whatever and saying how Hitler's voice when he was up on stage completely changed into something new. And he was implying, and he might have even said it, that Hitler was straight up possessed by Satan, just like Judas was you know, when he gave up Jesus to the authorities, like I read it today, you know, Judas, Satan literally came upon Judas uh, and possessed him. And so I think that was kind of the antichrist of the time, you know, later on uh, there was Antiochus Epiphanes or Epiphanes or something like that. He was a savage. I would argue possessed by Satan because he went to the the temple guy that killed everybody all the time. Yeah, and he yeah. went down, hmm. I believe as a Roman emperor, he went down from the north, kind of like the Bible says, and he went into the temple and abominated it, you know? And that's that's really going to be the single sign of the tangible end times, right? The abomination of desolation. So what do you think of, what is this, so this temple thing, what is this temple, what does it represent to you? Because the way I, there's... It, I don't really know, but I know that there's uh, 
this like concept of like Zionism and like uh, that can like be a really divisive point between certain people, often between politicians and their followers. Um, Wait, can you explain the Zionism thing? Zionism is kind of, it, it, it seems like multi-level. It's like a multi-level theory that gets applied in different ways at different levels. But it seems like the ultimate level of Zionism is, I mean, it, it, it is responsible for the creation of Israel in the forties or whatever that was. And that that's kind of their ultimate goal is like have Israel exist and that the Jews mm. go there and th- perhaps so like a returning to the homeland or the promise. Yeah. Land. It per- perhaps it even iterates to this like building of the temple and all this stuff. But on sometimes on like a basic level, people will like in politics or whatever will be called a Zionist because they support Israel in some military situation. So they're uh-huh. Zionists because why are we using the global American empire to do this stuff for this little tiny speck in the Middle East that who, you know, and you could just, you could just as well say, who cares about it? it might as well be like the European country of Georgia. Like what, where is that? No one cares. You know, it doesn't matter. It's a speck of land somewhere on the other side of the planet. Why are we sending gajillions of dollars over there? Why are we killing ourselves? Why are we having, hundred year wars in the middle of the desert just to do this Israel thing, that that's a a version of Zionism as well. But I think it's all ultimately folded into the, the grand Zionist agenda, which gets you called the anti-Semite. So, but, but what the weird thing about that is that a lot of Christian types who have some of these opinions that you have, it's like a coin toss, whether or not that they basically support this cause or are like completely appalled by it um so there's because there's like a strain of christianity especially in like these more radical kind of arenas that i feel like i've witnessed that is all for the israel stuff but at the same time there's something that it seems like anachronistic or un- like some kind of un anachronistic is the right word, but almost like situationally rather than time-wise. Like, why are these Southern evangelical types who don't really have the traditional views of things looking to a, a like a fulfillment of like Old Testament law, like the establishment of sacrifices again in this temple? So is this like a satanic project of like creating a temple and sacrificing animals going back to these kind of like outdated ways? Or is this... Mm, so because you're saying there's controversy over that, like people like this temple building, like some people might see it as like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's a fulfillment of some sort, bringing back the people to the homeland. And you're saying, but there's also an alternative perspective that's like maybe that's a satanic, like kind of dark fulfillment. Some people are way against it. But and it's a weird topic because within the support for Israel domain seems to be randomly dispersed across the left and the right. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are like on both sides having this affinity for Israel. I mean, Netanyahu came to speak before our Congress for, for, I don't know why that would be a thing. And he gets like more standing ovations than Obama did in like eight years in one speech. You know what I mean? It was like, so it's really, it's just 
to a lot, a lot of people see all that and they're like, what's going on? And this even gets further iterated into these like kind of unprovable conspiracies about the Jews, which doesn't work as a theory because you then you like know some Jews and you're like, well, they're not getting the benefits of being in the Illuminati. So that can't be it. Uh, so I guess I'm, I don't know because I'm not, I don't, I'm not super well versed, but I know that there's something all surrounding this kind of Zionism idea. What is this temple? What's the point? Is it like, is it abomination in and of itself? Is the, would the righteous outcome be that they establish this temple and that we don't stop sacrificing animals after three and a half years. We just keep sacrificing animals. Like that's what pleases God. Like what is going on there? Well, I, from the Jewish perspective, I believe they want their temple rebuilt because that's how they atone for their sins. You know, that's where they believe God lives. If they don't have a temple, if they don't have a temp tabernacle, if they don't have a Holy of Holies. So it's a purely Jewish thing, which, which, the mm. sacrificial thing, therefore, is not so odd because it's just it's never they didn't get the New Testament. So there was no fulfillment of that law. This is actually still a, tr a standing tradition that ought to be followed by the, the devout, essentially. Yeah, the the satanic end times part of it, you know, of course, I'm essentially trying to get into Satan's mind right now. Um, be careful with but that. <laughs> I'm right here <laughs> I'm gonna possess Satan this time it's gonna be a little a little reverse this will be I'm interesting kidding. um but from Satan essentially it, it says in Daniel that the Antichrist who is kind of the embodiment of Satan right the Antichrist is to Jesus as Satan is to God right it's opposite if, if that makes sense um if Jesus is the savior, Satan is what brings man's destruction or the Antichrist. Well, if, if Jesus be, is yes. man-made God, the Antichrist is man-made Satan, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, the devil I got, I got, incarnate, basically. I, I, got, I got it backwards, but you get the point. The, Satan's and the Antichrist's uh, goal here is actually to prove to the Jews that he is God and God isn't God, you know, because... Because they're whatever. waiting for their Maitreya or whatever they call the 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 savior. Well, I don't know what to, don't they have a thing they're uh, waiting for, like a guy they're waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah. Right, right. Okay, that's right. And, and <laughs> that's uh, what they called him. <laughs> remember now. <laughs> but and one of the interesting things about the temple, right, is I I don't know how Satan interacts to get it rebuilt. Maybe he just allows it to happen or whatever. But in Daniel, it says he wants to change the times and the laws. And one of the other, and, and that is in reference to the, the times, like the feasts of Israel, you know, when they sacrifice things and then the laws, you know, who do they worship and what are they sacrificing? Who are they sacrificing to stuff like that? Satan wants them to sacrifice to him because he wants to be God. Like that was the original sin in Genesis, right? Eve, eat this apple so you can become like God, you know? Uh, so Satan's trying to recruit everyone because he wants to be God in hell or whatever. Um, one of the interesting things that happens around the abomination of desolation is the Antichrist is actually killed. And then he suffers a mortal wound, as it said in both Daniel and Revelation. I, 
definitely revelation i'm pretty sure daniel and to his then, head right or something like that yeah like yeah, harry and, potter it's gonna be right here it's his lightning bolt i think oh yeah my God. and one of the things that happens though is he comes back to life you know right. i i believe i believe the antichrist before the abomination of desolation is not fully possessed by satan i believe he's killed and then he comes back to life because satan fully inhabits his body and kind of brings him back to life so um, it could be trump or biden <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, that's so interesting. I, I guess, yeah, I don't know what any of that means. I guess my inclination is to interpret it like metaphorically because surely, like, someone can't literally die and then be brought back to life unless maybe they can with new technology. Um, they're talking about, you know, freezing people's bodies or, you know, making And also, unless perfect. the Bible is true, right? Well, unless it's right. literally true. But I don't think it need be literally true. Like in the way that you're interpreting it. Well, it has it, to be. It has to be interpreted because it, well, yes. it's not. It's because it's because it's not exact. Like exactly. That's like it my has point, to be yes. interpreted. Like you literally, if it says you won't be able to, like a loaf of bread and a barley for your nickel and a penny penny, you're like, what? <laughs> like this means some. It means something. It doesn't. It may not actually mean. I mean, it might. That would be like the crazy thing is if like all of a sudden barley bread was like $5,000, whatever a day's wage is, you'd be like, wow, that's weird. And it could, I could totally see that happening, but I would, I also would be like, that's random. Somebody pulled that off on purpose. Bill Gates, I don't know, whoever these freaks are that are like, we have to fulfill the evil prophecy. But right, go well, on with your point. But yeah, there's but a level of interpretation. Maybe it's symbolic. even the way you yeah. were saying, you're saying like in your substack, the festivals or the feasts, you know, align with these certain dates. But it doesn't say that in the Bible. Like it says it in more vague general terms. So it always has to be interpreted. That's kind of my point. Yeah. Yeah. Because some people I mean, will interpret that differently. Like there's people that think literally they're going to mess with time. Like they think they can do yeah. that, which also may be true. So it, then you get into this world of going, and I feel like it's like missing the forest for the trees, like arguing how many angels can dance on the head of a pin rather than true understanding or something, something. Yeah. Then, then what's written with the pin that we're talking about, you know, I mean, it's like, what are we really getting at here and what do you have to explicitly believe to not miss it? Because it, the consequences get like, can get really dire, you know, like, in a way that, not that God has to make me comfortable, but like that I'm uncomfortable with. So when reading about the Antichrist and this, like this stuff, you know, the Revelation, I think obviously has all of the the main content of what the tribulation looks like. You know, if we can interpret the seals, if we can interpret what the beasts are and what the trumpets are, what the bulls of wrath are, you know, then we can kind of unlock what the tribulation looks like and know if we're in the tribulation and know if the Bible is true. Like, that's kind of my whole thing, right? If I can say this is what the prophecy is pointing to, then the world starts to look like that, then hopefully people come to Jesus and come to the Bible, but it's not guaranteed. One of the things that leads me to believe John's vision and revelation has like, like pretty tangible literal fulfillments of like actual events like you know when it says the the beast suffers a mortal wound i think that literally means the antichrist the beast which we learn from daniel 
suffers a mortal wound, and then he's raised up again. And the reason I think this really comes down to two instances of what Jesus says to John. And this is Revelation 4.1. After these things, I looked. And so after these things means after the letters to the seven churches in chapters like two and three. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, that's Jesus, was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And so based on how Revelation interprets itself as these are things that will happen after this. And so you can take that to maybe mean after the vision that John had after that time, since this is after, uh, you know, the churches, all seven churches representing a lot of people believe each one represents kind of a period in church history. Maybe this is after the the church is raptured, and that's why John goes up to heaven, you know. But regardless of when the time actually is, it's somewhere in the future, right? And these are things which must take place, and so that's why I have a very literal interpretation of Revelation. That's kind of why, you know, I say Satan is trying to be God, and he'll use miraculous signs and wonders like dying and raising from the dead in the temple or around the temple uh, to try and deceive people. Well, yeah, so I guess I don't disagree with you in like that sense. I guess I would oppose to something like Bill Gates is going to die of a mortal wound and then come back to, you know, life and he's going to instill whatever global digital currencies or something. (laughs) I guess that's a type of literalism that I would think is kind of crazy. But um But yeah, so the Antichrist, I was saying that was like symbolic, you know, because I don't know what that literally means, but you could just read it metaphorically as like an anti-truth or something like the opposite of what's true. And I, what resonates with me a lot about that, and I did read your Substack, and, you know, I don't know about all of the, you know, this is what the Bible says, and then this is the specific fulfillment. I don't know about all of it, but some of the things were very compelling to me, and that's coming from a person who doesn't you know, tend to like read this stuff or I haven't been exposed to all these ideas and, and, you know, what I wouldn't consider myself. Um, well, there was some stuff, you know, about one particular thing I remember was a particular passage about, I think it was from revelations that you quoted that at the end times, people will be concerned, overly concerned and talking about peace and safety. And I just thought that is so emblematic of like our time right now is like everyone, every argument seems to be about, safety like we need to make safe spaces we need to make society safer we need to have all these vaccine mandates because it's safe you know and everything's about safety and you can see how the trade-off there is like freedom oh, that's and interesting okay will. i believe the bible now <laughs> so so i don't know yeah i just thought it was very interesting i just needed but, something new i hadn't heard before but that's a that's a hot take i think because i i actually never understood that before I mean, this is what I buy more than anything is what you just said. I always was confused by the people will cry peace and safety. And I never knew if that was that we they're crying that we have peace and safety, yay, or we need peace and safety, help us. But I think that maybe it's kind of both and neither. It's more this other thing where it's like, right, there's like a false version of it and a good version yeah, just peace and safety is the call, you know, like, and we just, we keep talking about this over and over again, like with the, even the communitarian episode, it's like, 
everything nowadays is justified. Um, it, that's just how it's justified. It's like it's for your own good. Like it's to help you be safe and peaceful, basically. I mean, it's, our whole lifetime has been has been that with from nine eleven. Right, right, right. Stuff to now. I mean, it's just, it's all been in the name of like peace, which as opposed to like something maybe more to the times prior would have been for God and country or for, uh, for moral superiority or for America or for freedom. Now the dividing line, which I like again from our other episode of communitarianism, everything is still opposed to freedom. Someone's gonna, someone's gonna be the ruler here. Something, right? And it Some ain't gonna be specific you. person, right? Mm-hmm. And not God. We're not gonna live by God's word. And I interpret that to mean like we're not going to live by the natural laws of like what it takes to build a productive, socially sustainable community that's built on reciprocity and generosity and productivity. We're going to live under coercion by some authority somewhere in high power, you know. And that is a dark idea, I think. And that's the last thing I was going to say was like, I think there's the metaphorical interpretation of the Antichrist being like the anti-truth. And I also, that resonates with me of like, there's so many things that seem like anti-truths. Like they are things that we're touting as like, this is good, this is true. And it could not be farther from the truth. Like men being women, it's like, it's not just that that's not true. It couldn't be farther from the truth. Like men are the opposite of women. It doesn't get any different than that. And so that's kind of like... I've always thought of the Antichrist as like the most dangerous form of like opposition to a thing. So like is not its opposite every time. So this is my concept of like the counterfeit Antichrist, basically. That the best best trick in this case is not like... It's a, it's like a, a, a good counterfeit is a $1 bill that is exactly like a real $1 bill. Like it's, if it's perfect, it actually, mm. it actually still functions even like it still kind of works. But the, but, but the thing is it isn't real. And that, that actually we're trying to create a world where that kind of fact doesn't matter. Cause that's too like steadfast and unchanging too conservative or something to like have that kind of like uh, ethic about something so it doesn't matter if it's different because it's this it's really the same you know and the specifics here don't really matter Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's the pernicious thing and that's how i've always understood and i actually believe that that's like Like both of these things will mm -hmm. happen which is count which, which is the symbolic nature of it and perhaps even the uh, physical manifestation. Because imagine, like the first things you were telling us about with this like temple, for example, that actually is it, like it, they're working on it. So like what does the red heifer rep- represent? I'm telling you, it represents something. I don't know what the meaning is, but there's deep, deep symbolism in the heifer. There's deep, deep symbolism in the rebuilding of a temple, even beyond just fulfilling a prophecy. That is symbolism, but there's something else there to all of this. But clearly, so whatever whatever sim- symbolism is played out, like you're saying, Ben, like symbolically, where this is it doesn't matter if it's real specifically it's real like metaphysically like so 666 mark of the beast on my forehead or hand doesn't matter 
specifically which thing it is, but ultimately it is manifesting. Right. It corresponds to something. Yeah, but there's something, there's like a verification. It's like these things like are verifying each other. The, the symbolism and the exactness or the specific is like verifying itself because whatever it means that the temple is rebuilt symbolically on the global stage, because it can't just be for this little tiny place in Israel. This We're talking about world, m- m- things that mean something on a worldwide level. So the rebuilding of the temple means something. The sacrifices in that temple means something for everybody, not just for Jews and Christians. That doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, it means something specific for so specific that that will manifest in our global environment in some way, which would be the hard thing to understand. And it will probably, based on what's literally happening, that they're literally searching for the red heifer, that they literally have plans to rebuild the temple, that it's actually going to verify itself by manifesting and perhaps verify itself by manifesting this very specific instance where it literally does happen. You know, the towards the symbolic nature of it all, kind of making me really think outside my normal zone here but i think maybe what it could represent right is if we think about what the temple represents from a jewish perspective what the temple is from a jewish perspective it's how they're pursuing god or maybe how they're pursuing what they believe is good and yeah it's like how they manifest mm -hmm. their spiritual experience Right. To some extent, and, like it's very important. It's almost like a Catholic in their church. It's like that's where all the Jesus stuff happens is in the church, this magnificent building, that place. Everything one, else is life. One thing Paul says about the end times is people will not be seeking out truth. Like th- he's talking about inside the church, but I really think this applies to mm-hmm. everywhere. People won't be seeking out truth. They'll be seeking out what uh, like satisfies their itching ear. They'll be seeking out what they want to hear based on their mm-hmm. their presuppositions of like what is true, what is good, you know? Mm-hmm. And the odd thing about the red heifer is the red heifer is supposed to purify an entire generation. Because it's Jewish so perfect of a, of a sacrifice. So it's like right. a pre-Messiah kind of sacrifice or something. Exactly. And I'm. Does it meant to prepare the way for their Messiah, their Messiah's return, like a, a final confessional for the Jews or something? Well, you know, it's it's tough for me to say uh, what else it represents other than like the purification of an entire generation. You know, and it's pretty rare that this happens. Only nine red heifer sacrifices have ever taken place in like human or Jewish history. So this will be the tenth one if they if one doesn't grow a, a white hair or whatever, but it's like okay, the Jews are rebuilding this temple to pursue what is good, and they view this purification of the red, the purification of their generation, the sacrifice of the red heifer as the only thing standing in the way of falling that much more away from what is actually true, what is actually good you know, the Bible is true and all that stuff. And so I think that kind of, because we're all so connected, you know, digitally, you know, we could be, I could be in China right now for all y'all know, right? It could be the middle <laughs> of the night yeah. for me. 
uh, because we all have this information at our disposal, we we all essentially have access to the Bible, right? We all, if if that's true, we all have access to the truth. We all it's have like, access to all the information, yeah. And and it's like, okay, the Jews have always kind of been God's time clock. Like Jerusalem is the center of creation for God. So the Jews, you know, pursuing this temple, pursuing the ultimate fulfillment of what is true because God literally lives inside that temple could be kind of an abstraction of like what our entire world is trying to do right now, pursuing diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, pursuing these random agendas that make people feel like they're good people, but are clearly like just so far from the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that's palpable for a, more than just the spiritually sensitive. Uh, it's up in it's upheaving everything for everyone, and you, it's almost like you you ha- it's kind of weird like you actually have to kind of either get swept away like go with it, or actively not. Because it's like the tide is rising, like the the wave is, it's going to affect everything as it sweeps through. And that, I feel like we're at a place now where that stuff is going so obviously somewhere that it's like, are you like, are you coming or not? Because like we're going. Silence is violence. If you're neutral on the issue, you're evil, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and well, we're almost there, though, where that almost, that's almost true. Like they're making it true. Yeah, it's and that like, kind of uh, goes back to why I quit the job, right? Mm. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like um, the scientific revolution too. Like you kind of pointed that out, and that's like it. Like the temple, if you were to interpret it metaphorically, as you were saying, like that God resides in the temple, that God resides in like a physical form outside of the self, which is like a very interesting. Like that is sort of the debate of the time, seemingly that the scientific revolution, whatever we mean by that, it's like all things true come from the outside that can all, all things true have to be verified with evidence and blah, blah, blah. There's no truth that emanates from within that can't be verified. And that was interestingly, we talked about this recently, actually, was like the Platonic idea was like Plato was like, actually, truth comes somewhere inside that there's something beyond the world that you see that is the real thing, which is very like anti-science and it seems like the the opposite of that idea has really gripped the culture which is like we only believe in the physical manifestations of things that can be verified and measured and quantified and yeah so regardless of whether or not that physically happens it's like i mean it's going to happen it's like the physical manifestation of the ideology that's gripped our culture yeah while we're um or at least while i am promoting my own prophetic interpretations. How about this one? Um, <laughs> Good. The body, so the New Testament, so the Jews are doing a lot of Old Testament stuff because that's they don't do the New Testament stuff. That's the whole point of being a Jew, not a Christian. So there's, um, in the New Testament, the body is referred to as a temple. So this rebuilding of the of the body of what the man the person I feel like that's what they're doing. It's it's very much akin to like a cult, like a gnostic kind of alchemical ideas to like dilute, dissolve, amalgamate, whatever their whole slogan is. 
like to create this golem, basically, which is another Jewish concept that is like metaphorical and mystical and like some kind of physical magic stuff. I mean, it just depends on your interpretation, but that that temple being rebuilt, uh, maybe now that we see things like vaccine platforms, like DNA vaccines, we have, uh, AI, we have people wanting to put chips in your brain, uh, Elon, download your consciousness ideas and you know all of this stuff seems like that actually and uh, so the trans agenda in my opinion and this is probably not original to me but like is the trans it's not the transsexual agenda that's that's almost comprehensible i think what it is is like the transhuman agenda essentially is where this is all kind of going and that's also an on the books real life agenda so there's something, and there may be something to that. That's just my stab at prophetic uh, interpretation. There, Thank there's you. A this lot probably of, bas- blasphemy. There's, no, it's not. It's, not. it's actually very biblical what you just said. You know, the transhuman agenda actually points to the end times as well. Like, like pretty tangibly. Uh, one, one of the things, you know, Jesus says the end days are like the days of Lot, but he also says they're like the days of Noah. Right. And days of Noah, if we go back to Noah and why the whole generation was just taken out, uh, one of the reasons was because the fallen angels were reproducing with man and infecting everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, making the DNA impure or however you want to look at it, right? I read and, the uh, Doug Hamp corrupting the image book. I don't know if you heard about it. The, the Nephilim, the sons of sons of gods, the daughters of man intermingling. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I don't even know if Noah was that righteous. Like it, that's kind of what the Bible implies. But it's almost like Noah and his family seem to be the last like humans on earth, right. like fully humans and fully human are the only people that Jesus saves. That's kind of why the mark of the beast, if you take it as a mortal sin, in my opinion, because you become transhuman, you become not human. Right. Oh, and so that's so interesting. Cause that's what I've thought about the trans movement. Actually. I've thought that like transgender or transsexual is just the beginning. It's like the beginning of a actually transhuman movement that we can be yeah. different than who we are. Then where were you? Did you disappear? Sorry. Yeah. We just said that. Did oh, you just okay. say I was that? Like, oh, sorry, I had to stop to go to the bathroom, but I'm back <laughs> Oh, now. no, okay. No, you're fine. Yeah, so yeah, that was basically the only point that we had made. And, and there's actually one more pretty key thing that points to this transhuman agenda. I wrote about it a little bit, but it's worth bringing up, I think. It's the final kingdom right before Jesus comes back. It's prophesied, I believe, in Daniel 3 when he's interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's the final kingdom, the Antichrist kingdom, and it's made of iron and clay. And we know humans were created out of like the dirt, the clay of the earth by God. And the iron, you know, it says the iron and clay don't stick together. And so the Bible interprets that as like the the kingdom is like intermarrying or something. There's a bunch of like intermarriage going on and a bunch of families forming the leadership of this final kingdom. But a lot of people have also interpreted it as okay maybe the iron represents silicone or technology you know the the metal things that that make up our phones right kind of 
being hmm. integrated into the brain, being integrated into the wrist with the mark of the beast, with our little Swedish friends, with the little grain of rice chips or whatever. Uh, maybe up to the point that it changes your DNA, maybe, which the vaccine already does. It inserts protein, it inserts DNA into your body that tells your body to make certain proteins that it wouldn't otherwise make. That's changing the DNA right there. But it also could end up, if we take Neuralink, if we extrapolate what that may look like in the future, you can like, I don't know, maybe listen to a podcast in your brain. You don't even need to use your ears. It just hits your like nerves in there. And maybe that goes all the way up until uh, changing your thoughts or changing what you see. Because one of the other things in Revelation mm. is people with the mark of the beast, there's a time where they will experience signs and wonders that people without the mark of the beast will not. And if you think of the mark of the beast as technology, which is probably how it would manifest if all that was to come to pass today, that's within reason, right? You insert Neuralink V2 into your mind and all of a sudden you can see things that aren't there. Like we call that augmented reality, you know? You put that deep mm. fake technology on top of all augmented reality and all of a sudden you can see, touch, feel, hear, you know, things that aren't there. Interesting. I almost feel like this, if it, the cell phone, if it replaces the, if currency goes digital and digital currencies on your phone, not on a piece of plastic, which is our credit cards, which already is pseudo, kind of pseudo mark of the beast, that this could be the ultimate symbolic representation of that because it's almost to the point where you can hardly even function without access to all of that stuff which contains within it all of these other things that are kind of detrimental like the information the access to information that's in the prophecy the travel ability to travel ability to buy things ability to see things hear things you know and like we were also saying eventually you won't even be able to tell what's real and what's not. I, I, I already don't know what's real and what's not real. I listen to like so many right. podcasts. I trust like none of them. I, I don't even, and some of them, I, I, maybe like two that I like literally know personally. And I still from time to time find myself going like, is this person like working for something? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what to believe. So. Yeah. Well, to the real people thing, it's almost like, yeah, like I literally, and you hear people joke about this, like people are NPCs, you know, like, like some, this oh, yeah. whole, like the rapture coming and taking the people who aren't real humans. And it's like, I really do kind of like already metaphorically think about some people, like some people aren't awake in some sense, like, and people have been saying that forever, like wake up, you know, people who want to come shake you and they're like, wake up. Um, <laughs> but that's because those people, it's like, what are you? And that's like, back to, you were saying about like possession, like maybe Hitler was possessed by the devil. It's like, I don't know, like, I think people react to that, like, kind of viscerally because they think, like, something very physical is happening. But I'm like, it doesn't even have to be physical. Like, what, like, literally, where are those ideas and, like, what is being made? Where does that originate from? Like, where, where is the source of what he's saying come from? And then if you're, like, a sane person wouldn't think that, then it does become very, like, kind of dark where you're like, well, well, if a sane person wouldn't say that, like, someone who's awake and thinking, like, where is it coming from? But I wanted to return, too, to the point of, like, you said this thing about, like, clay and steel. I also thought that was interesting because you're saying, like, these two things will come together, almost like in an unholy union. 
And that is also like back to the symbolism that you cited in Revelations. What happens at the end is the removal of like the the water in the sky, for example, and the water on the earth come together. And if you read Genesis that way, and I've heard it very compellingly put this way, is that it's a it reads as if like things above and things below are separated. And the things above are ordered, they're heavenly, they're perfect, and the things below are kind of chaotic, they're chaos. And you get the unholy union of those things, and that is the destruction, you know, of mankind or society or the world or whatever. And that's what is prophesied in Revelation. And so, yeah, I thought that was an interesting point to make that that's also symbolically like what's being said as well. Slightly changing topics here. Have y'all thought about the deceptions that may surround the rapture if it actually happens? All day, every day. Like Project Bluebeam, I think, is something in, along the lines of Project Bluebeam will be implemented. Um, I've never heard of Project Bluebeam. Oh, well, you should probably hear about that. Oh, my God. Uh, well, you mentioned the aliens in your article, so it's... This is a thing. They There's this trans person who went on Joe Rogan, and they were in the military, and they were like, have you heard about Project Bluebeam? And they're like... See, that's why I know that there's a PSYOP within the PSYOP, because you have a trans ex-military person on Joe Rogan talking about it. So there's yeah. something really messed up. It was very weird. But the idea the is that there's going to be like a holographic fake alien invasion that there's a plan for that somewhere either and, that or they're yeah. going to have the messiah a messiah of some kind come back using project blue beam and project blue beam may just be like a limited hangout and that the technology theory the behind what's really going to happen far surpasses the project blue beam concepts um like i think i mean i have my own opinions but it uh I think they will absolutely like, like the pandemic. I'm sorry. Like it was not real. <laughs> Whatever went on there was totally, I don't like there's, we've gone full circle. It's not controversial anymore. Like the same people that were saying, wear 10 mask vaccines, make you a hundred percent immune. You cannot pass it on. You will not get COVID all this stuff. Now we've all gone full circle basically to, it, we were wrong, basically. The so, treatment is more harmful than the thing, you know, than the disease. And there's no way we fucked up. That was all on purpose. Event 201. Uh, there's a thousand scenario, real live play scenarios that they've done with this exact model right before the actual thing gets pulled off. So if that's true then this stuff is being, it's just being fully manipulated. I forgot what my point was going to be. What, what were we just talking about? Well, yeah. Do you have like specific Project things Beam. that you think about, like are that are manifestations or prophetic, you know, signs or whatever? That's, I think, what well, you were asking about. The, the the question I asked was like, may, like we know there's a, gonna, there's a lot of deception right now. We know there's going to be a lot of deception if things keep, you know, chugging along. So what might the deception be to like explain the rapture if it happens? And my my thought process was always, you know, aliens. Mm -hmm. You know, aliens came and got them. I don't know, you know, maybe maybe we all die, but like there sure won't be dead bodies around if we're all, 
you know, sucked up into into heaven. You know, there's just gonna be maybe a bunch of clothes on the ground. If if you think about the rapture, it's literally fulfilled. There's gonna be all the Christian pilots piloting commercial aircraft. Oh, you know, they're they're snapped out of existence. You know, uh, the the planes crash. You know, the cars crash. You know, there's gonna be potentially hundreds of millions of people just gone, just vanished. Uh, they're all gonna follow a particular ideology. Uh, so that's going to be a strange thing to try and explain away. But my thought process was always, yeah, the aliens came and got them. And that's kind of why I think they're trying to, you know, they've been introducing the alien media for a while, you know, that predictive programming, but now the military is admitting they've been working on ufos and releasing fighter plane footage of of the tic tacs and you know we got people like bob lazar who you know for some reason weren't killed by the cia you know right so Um, you think they're getting out in front of the rapture story basically like uh we told you we told you they were here so now we've got our uh what do they call it they have their excuse basically Mm. So you think that's like a deceptive rapture? Because I was going to say, I think like the real rapture. I think all this alien stuff is definitely BS. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say the real rapture need not be anything kind of like mm, sort of supernatural in that like sense, because it could just mean that like the Christians or whatever, like kind of similar to the Exodus story, like God leads them out of the city, you know, like this is a bad place and the Christians are called to leave and that could be all that it means. You know, like same with Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, like the leaving and being called out of that unholy place. So I don't, yeah, I don't know what it literally means, but yeah, I see your point about this. What are the, you know, deceptive, maybe antichrist versions of that? Uh, Yeah. Or just the excuse given to the rest of the people. But this is Mm. definitely the hardest pill for me to swallow. Like, I don't know if I buy the rapture thing, but I also don't have... I mean, the best argument against it is it just sounds crazy. But it does sound crazy. I didn't believe in it for a very long time. You know, uh, there is a specific passage at the end of Matthew 24. It's like my favorite chapter in the Bible, though, that makes a good case straight out of Jesus's mouth for the rapture kind of happening and happening in the twinkling of an eye, where the the dead are like raised and the People who are alive and remain get caught up, you know, and just like seem to vanish. And it it essentially is it's math it starts at Matthew twenty four thirty six, um, and it essentially Jesus is saying, you know, it's going to be like the days of Noah, for as in the days before the flood, they are eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man be. And then Jesus immediately goes into, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in a mill. One will be taken and the other left. And it's like Jesus seems to be drawing some sort of parallel between you know, Noah going up in the ark, and uh these like the one men taken one man taken out of the field and the two women 
or one woman going up into being just being taken, you know, going up into heaven. And this is like one of the most compelling scriptures for me for a pre-tribulation rapture. Because if the world is in the midst of the worst seven years of human history, people aren't going to be eating and drinking, giving in marriage, you know, carrying on as normal as, as in the days before the flood. Mm. And a lot of people also interpret that being taken stuff, that language is being taken by judgment, you know, like the righteous one will be left standing in the field. And I don't think that holds up either. If you think about the judgment as the worldwide flood that came, you imagine a giant tidal wave going over a field or like crashing into a mill, you know, both men are taken, both women are, are taken by that worldwide judgment. That's a hard one. Is so just to clarify, who are taken? Are is it the like God's people, the righteous people who are taken, or the the bad people, the unholy ones? In in the rapture, the faithful are taken, and uh, we could see that in Revelation three, which does have a lot of parallels to Noah's Ark. You know, it talks about the faithful church. And how there's going to be a door left open for them that no one can open or close but Jesus. And they're going to go up into that door, up into heaven, uh, just like John is. uh, Just a few short verses later where John goes into the door of heaven in the spirit uh, Mm. and then sees all of the tribulation events take place. So I believe it's the righteous that are taken. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I just, like, immediately when I read or hear that scripture, like the first part about one man in the field being taken and one being left, it's very, like, it calls to my mind back to Cain and Abel. But that, the opposite happens in Cain and Abel. The Well, actually, no, it's the same because Cain is killed, uh, or Cain kills Abel, and Abel is the righteous one who makes sacrifices that God... Um, or pleases God and Abel is left in the field. So that is interesting. I actually thought it was reversed, but now that I'm saying it, it's exactly like that. And same with Lot, you know, the whole city remained in place, but Lot and his family, the righteous, the only righteous ones were taken out of the city. Hmm. And I do wonder if there's some sort of parallel there between like, do y'all remember, did y'all ever watch, uh, Oh, like James Franco was in it. It was it was a funny movie. Um, uh, it it was about the apocalypse, and essentially, I forget the title of the movie. I'm sorry, but James Franco is essentially, you know, they're all left behind in the rapture. The world falls apart, and then they go. James Franco and you know his crew. He kind of goes out of the house to perform like righteous deeds, you know, help people or whatever, and it's goofy, but he's james franco is about to be killed by this mob where danny mcbride is kind of leading the mob it's just it's it's hilarious but james franco is raptured right out of it like there's that blue beam project blue beam Mm -mm. um getting out in front of it (laughs) and james franco is just like fuck you guys you know flicking them off and then all of a sudden the blue beam starts flickering and then james franco is just put back into the mob and killed you know is that a Mm. image or a 
you know, parallel to Lot's wife being turned to salt? I don't know. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's hard when you consider like the Cain and Abel story, like Abel is killed. Like it's not like he gets taken to heaven. In some sense, you could maybe be like he's with God now, but he dies like in the world. And that is a... I mean that has dark implications for like the rapture. <laughs> like all the all the righteous people are going to be killed. Um, <laughs> that would be scary. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that movie though you're referencing is called "This Is the End." That's curious. right. Well, yeah, this that's a hard one for me to grapple with as far as like recognizing that I also just admitted that there's creepy levels of real parallels to interpretation. I mean, you could do it. Here's the thing. The metal, the clay and iron, for example, not, you know, being kind of an abomination, whatever, this thing that they're trying to do. Unholy union. Mm. If we were like 50 to 100 years ago and you told me we were having the same conversation and you were like, the tractor, steel, and clay, they don't mix. This is wrong. What we're doing is wrong. I'd be like, hell yeah, that's right. This it, this fits. You know, like there's just so many ways to understand these things that I don't know. Some, this is where I get tripped up on like the literal prophecy of things and then go back to relying on some truth being there. That's symbolic, but not symbolic as in like, oh, it's just a symbol, man. Like you don't have to really take that seriously. No, it's like symbolic, but you have to take it really seriously. Like symbolic, but really real, just not literal. Like it's not like it's not like an angel is going to come down and get a big ball of clay and a piece of steel and go, <laughs> look at here. It don't <laughs> stick. Told you. And then beam away, you know, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, so you have to have some level of ability to, to discern things that are in the Bible. And in a way, you have to become learned and studied. And the reason why this has bothered me in the past is because I know people who are like good souls, but they're dumb, you know, like old people. There's some really old, nice people out there who you couldn't, all they know is God bless them, you know, Jesus is Lord. And you say why, they'd like the question wouldn't compute. Like, of course, Jesus is just Lord. I mean, I just know that. You know, that's as deep as it gets, but it's pure <laughs> enough that I'm like, you know what? I don't know a lot, but I know that like that person, despite what they understand, believe, how they got to it, how they got to be the nice, sweet person they are is uh adequate like if god damns that person then that something's wrong so some of these things where and i'm not saying that this is like heady or difficult to understand but i am saying that like the fact that some of these things have to be interpreted uh to be understood and that the deception in the bible it says that the deception will be a strong deception that even the elect so like the chosen ones like even they will be deceived i believe that Mm. Um, but I also think that one way of answering this is to say that like your understanding of the, the symbolic or the, like God's destiny for mankind is not just to know facts about prophecy and to understand things when they happen. Like that's not 
clearly that doesn't seem like a good religion either. That just seems like school or something. <laughs> so, so maybe just being the good person was adequate. It's unreasonable to be like, well, if you just want to know the truth, you just have, it's in the Bible. Like, that's just how it works. Like you just have to be able to read and then you have, first you have to do that. Then you have to read the Bible, which is huge and good luck. And then you have to understand it enough and pull out the proper message. And that's where all the true stuff is. And if you ever have a skeptical thought against the Bible, once you've, of course, learned how to read and read it, then, you know, there's like issues. I mean, it just something is wrong with the literal interpretation to me. I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm just expressing skepticism. I'm ex- but I'm also trying to maintain that I do truly believe there's something going on. There's some kind of acceleration. I buy I actually buy a lot of the I don't want to call it like prophecy. I don't know what to call it. It's like just truth. Like there's something true. <laughs> this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's all I have. Also, I am going to say this: do look into Project Bluebeam because I think it folds into the story. Uh, for as far as like, because I'm so I'm just I'm actually surprised you don't know about it because I think it runs down that vein of Agenda Twenty One and kind of looking at like world events through a Christian lens. I think a, a lot of those guys uh, are at least aware of like the. Uh, I'm going to look into that, but to kind of address the skepticism part of it, I've had to, you know, address this within myself. And, you know, I think even Christians, like, like I was just talking to a guy yesterday who was like, you know, I don't even think we should be looking for the end. Like, I don't, I don't see a point in doing that, you know, mm -hmm. and it can be a distraction, I think for a lot of people like i mean i could sit here and know a bunch of facts about the bible and about prophecy and speculate to how it may be fulfilled but if i don't believe in jesus then i'm not saved like what's the thing to do it sounds like you're part of like a church like an organized religion of sorts um i don't know how orthodox or unorthodox that is specifically for you but like because I, I feel like there's a type of Christian out there, like um, Seventh-day Adventists and Mormons, you know, they're pretty devout a lot of times, but their life is very much so like, like for the Mormons, for sure. Like the answer is read this book. That is the answer. You read the Book of Mormon and you believe it. There's also a faction of Christians that's kind of like that too. Where like you ask tough questions, they're just like, Bible, read Bible, that's all you need just read the bible if you don't understand it don't worry about it and then believe it and you're next like next question okay <laughs> next question yes and then then there's this group of religious folks that we grew up with who say things like and you know things like Literally. that and believe that uh all sorts of things and have like really communal that's not the right word for this podcast, really um, super personal relationship with God. You know, like it's almost like, uh, yeah, you know, like have a, well, they're like, like I couldn't tell praise you. Praise and worship can like, can be like a spiritual experience for these, for some people. And, you know, you might be so obsessed with God and 
godly experiences that you like have crazy ideas sometimes or uh, have like home groups of this or that nature and you're just kind of like, like to be honest, I've been one of these people before and uh, you can get really close to fanatical in a way, uh, but I've done that. I feel like I've, I have not found any super specific answers, but I have, but so, they just, I don't. So for what I'm asking is for you, that whole experience of being a Christian, what to, cause we're saying, well, don't just worry about like obsessing over the end times. Cause you could do that. What do now, like what to do instead? Uh, what does that look like in your mind? Like the, the right kind of, uh, life activities, interaction with God. How does that transpire? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I think the truth that applies to any Christian, like of how they, like how a Christian should live their life is, you know, the greatest command, you know, love God and love others as yourself. Like that's the greatest command. And the rest of the Bible, like for the most part, kind of gives details on, okay, what does love look like? Right. Because, you know, mm. for people who don't believe in the Bible, like some of them are going to be like, oh, well, love looks like affirming someone's identity. You know, it looks like uh, telling a child that if they feel like a girl, then they can have surgery to become a girl. And the, I don't think the Bible uh, tells us like defines love in that way. Mm-hmm. So, love God and love others as yourself. And then, yeah, I have to, unfortunately, I, I'm going to just point to the Bible for, okay, how do you love? Just, just go read the book, you know, read yeah. the gospels and stuff like that. It's that's, that could be a whole podcast. Um, yeah. The love others as I, there's always this quote. I feel like it's not a misquote. I think it says both things, but there's like a different version of the same quote you just gave, which yes. gave, which is love others as I have loved you. That's and that was correct. a Jesus quote. And I always thought that that was like the, it was almost like the WWJD from like the nineties. You know, it's like, this seems like th- there's not much Jesus in the Bible. Like out of the whole thing, you can actually get like the red letter Bible. You can actually get just Jesus's words in a right. book and it's not a big book. And if you do that, then it's, it's not like, it's not like it's not restraining or not limiting or whatever you might not like about religion, but it's, uh, it's not complicated. Sorry. I think I got disconnected, but anyway, I thought we all got raptured. I was like, damn, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. So I, I agree with you there. I think it does get complicated when, uh, we are told to like, embrace the spiritual gifts so like the one that i feel i've embraced you know i i'm i'm really bad at evangelism like that's what i've come to learn you know when i initially came to christ i tried like i came to christ through apologetics because i'm i'm an engineer right so i i looked at the facts i looked at the history i I looked at the, the cosmology and i was like okay best explained by god and uh christianity and the bible and jesus and i was like all right my mission go and argue to everyone that I meet that uh, Bible is historically true and God is the best explanation for the universe being created. 
And then I realized that I was not very successful at that. I think partially because of the motive, partially because, you know, I didn't have that much knowledge. Also, right? people just hate that. They yeah. Just hate, they just hate. Don't do not talk to me about the Bible. Get out of my face. <laughs> that Leave too. me alone. <laughs> it takes a special, special person to be able to actually do that job effectively. <laughs> yeah. And but the one the, the the gift I think I have been given at least is kind of wisdom to be able to like take prophecy, break it down, and try and interpret it in a reasonable way that kind of makes sense. Um and you know so my personal life like the activities that i partake in you know you could look behind me i have a whole bunch of solar panels i have a ham radio on my desk you know i've got like three years of food because i believe i've interpreted prophecy correctly i am physically preparing for it and then the way i love others through that is both through the physical preparations you know i've i've gotten more than enough supplies and i'm telling people about it so you come to my house and you know get it when i'm not here hopefully i'm raptured uh but i also you know warn people of what i believe is coming right so that they can prepare hopefully they get raptured uh because you know jesus says himself like the the tribulation is so great that if those days were not shortened no flesh would survive like it's going to be the worst seven years or three and a half years of human history so that's kind of my day to day but you know again there's a whole lot of other manifestations based on the gifts you were given some people do have more spiritual gifts like like speaking in tongues i honestly I, I struggle with that a little bit. Uh, other people, you know, they like they can heal people. Like I've I've heard multiple testimonies of like the blind being healed at certain churches, like even just around in Georgia, right? Uh, like Christ Fellowship, they do like baptism nights on Sundays. They call it a revival, and like they heal people. I know multiple people from my church that went there one Sunday and got healed from. Like, as I said, blindness, deafness, scoliosis, like uh, some people can do that. I've never performed a miraculous healing, uh, but that's not to say I couldn't. But it's just not the thing that I'm focused on right now. It's not how I feel God has sort of positioned me in the body of Christ. You know, the body does a whole lot of things. You know, the hands, you know, they write and type and the mouth speaks and the ears hear, the eyes see. You know, just just that's the same way with the body of Christ. Like maybe I'm the eyes and the mouth and maybe someone else is the hands that heal. Right. So each Christian's day to day is going to look different, but it all is ultimately summed up under the umbrella. Love God or love God and love others as yourself or love others as I have loved you. Mm -hmm. So you're like preparing like almost like. Well, it almost sounded like like a doomsday prepper, kind of like that sort of thing. Like, what are you like? Is that just taking all of your days or whatever? Like, what? Yeah, happens. Like, I'm making a list. Can you tell me what? <laughs> what do I need to get? What do listeners need to acquire? So I've actually I've I've started building a like a public Google Drive where I'm putting a bunch of like prepper like physical and spiritual preparatory documents that say. Okay, here's what you need to physically prepare just for a doomsday event in general. 
but I am physically preparing for what is prophesied. You know, the, mm. the seals of revelation prophesy world war, famines, earthquakes, pestilences, you know? So I, and I, I believe there's probably going to be an energy crisis to, you know, carry out a lot of that stuff, right. To make people freak out and accept the mark of the beast which is pretty ironic, you know, we want everyone on a digital ID thing, but we're also going to turn the power off. It's like those things are mutually exclusive. Anyway, uh, I am putting all that stuff together and I'm also putting some spiritual stuff like saying, okay, if you're in the tribulation, here's probably what you're going to see. And here's about the time that you're going to see these, you know, various events, right? Uh, it's in a Google Drive, so you can print it all out um, and put it in a little binder, so you can have your checklist, you know. And it's maybe physical, we'll link it so in the show notes. People can yeah. have access to it. It is a work in progress, though. So, uh, you know, I've I've been putting stuff like how to prepare food wise, water wise, medical wise. Uh, I've got stuff on defense that I'm working on. Uh, you know, like how to hunt and kill a deer because. We're in Georgia. If if you can hunt uh, and then, you know, field dress a deer and clean it up, preserve the meat, you're going to be uh, in a good position uh, when you need a digital ID, when you need the mark of the beast to go and buy food. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you plan on if something akin to falling in line with this whole like prophetic plan comes along like a digital ID, you plan on like rejecting that I would imagine like not getting that don't know what I'm going to do now, but I'm not getting that. I uh, struggle with that because I feel like nobody relies on me, which might be God's way of uh, preparing me. (laughs) But I feel like um, everyone I know is kind of a normie and just goes along to get along for the most part. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what I'll do personally, but I wouldn't wear a mask in a, in a doctor's office. So I don't trust myself not to flip out if something like that comes down the pike. I can't see myself doing it. I'll tell you I'll die. You're going to have to put hands on me to get like a vaccine in my arm, you know, or to like put a mask on my face. Like it's going to get physical. So I can't imagine me transitioning to like a digital world very easily. But, uh, oh yeah. My other question, how, psychologically prepared are you to be wrong Mm. Uh, as far as uh because i i definitely understand see i don't need the whole religious aspect of it to be in the same boat basically like i'm i don't i don't need god to like fight that battle so I can totally see standing somewhere and going, well, I can see everything else in the world going on. And fundamentally, I just reject all that. Like, I'm just, I do not want to participate. But I have recently wondered myself, like how much time I've taken to do what I've done, which you don't want to hear the story, but I'm sure if you listen to our podcast enough, you'll figure out how crazy I've acted. Um. I'm getting to the point where it'd be like, it would be weird to like go get a job and then try to explain myself, you know, like what's this huge gap here? And it's like, well, how much do you want to know? You know, like (laughs) if I tell you the story, you're not going to hire me. 
if I give you like I can lie or like give you a weird truth about it, but it's that notion kind of freaked me out the other day because I'm like I really did that. Like I did that. Like I just like fucked everything over like that. That's weird. And then I just stayed where I was and did other stuff instead of going to do like the normal life trajectory. And this question is coming from a place of somebody who ran from all this religion stuff a long time ago based fundamentally on a guilt and shame prospect for myself. I got way into it as a kid. It nearly killed me psychologically. A component of that was whether I was right or wrong doesn't really matter. The notion is the same. I did not like being that wrong that way and feeling that the shame and guilt associated with trying to understand what it's like to be a good person or the shame and guilt kind of just associated with like, I can't believe I let myself go down this path anyways, like even on the religious side, you know, or the righteous side. Oh, he's back. Is he back? Hello? You probably heard everything. Yeah. Sorry. I, um, to answer your question, uh, am I, am I prepared psychologically to be wrong? The way I'm preparing physically is to not screw myself over. If I do end up living to be 80 years old and need to, you know, have a nest egg to retire, you know, follow that, uh, standard trajectory. I, I have been blessed enough to have a good college degree and to have, I think what's a good head on my shoulders to, you know, make wise choices, uh, and make investments now that are like, okay, even if we're just heading into a recession and I don't have a job, uh, I guess it's still a good idea to, you know, have something to communicate with people that I don't need to pay an internet subscription for a cell phone bill for. It's still good to have, you know, uh, food on the table when I see all the food manufacturing plants like blowing up the swine or not the swine flu, the chicken flu, literally blowing up, gone around the world, all the hundreds of thousands of cattle blowing out, blowing up in the Midwest. Like still good to have food on the table. Then it's good to have uh, water filters. Um, if Lake Lanier gets poisoned, you know, or there's a train. I'm pretty sure it's already poisoned. You probably want to be filtering that water. <laughs> yeah, or if, a, if like a train blows up and spills into the river, you know, God, God forbid. Yeah. It's still good to have all these things. Uh, so if I am wrong, I, I feel like I am physically prepared to be wrong in terms of living a full life to retirement and all that stuff and not getting out on the street psychologically. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly going to be pretty surprised to say mm-hmm. the least if mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, I won't necessarily be surprised if I'm not raptured, if I'm in the end times. Right. See, that would be the thing that I wouldn't be surprised about either, but I wouldn't be surprised because I'm like, well, that sounds ridiculous anyways. So I'm not looking for that, but all the other things I'm totally expect are coming, whether the Bible even was ever written or not. Like yeah. we're getting the digital currency. They're going to screw with your food. They want you to eat bugs. They want you to live in your, uh, an apartment and have no property, no real wealth, no material, no equipment, no nothing. Rent your clothes, rent your car. It's electric. There's no gas. You have no gold, God, guns, get away. None of that mm-hmm. stuff. So I know that's coming. Um, the rapture thing seems like that again, I've already embarrassed myself enough. So I'm not like I dig at nobody, but like 
that would be the most embarrassing thing to me because you can't like wiggle out of it. You know, there's no like it like it literally it might as well just use the word poof like and then poof like you're gone. You know, like <laughs> it literally says your clothes will still be there and you'll be gone. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. That one's a little crazy, but all that other stuff is very tangible and obvious. So that and I again, the embarrassing thing, I don't I maybe the wrong word. I'm just saying that from my pers- from my religious experience, it was that kind of feeling was part of like the negative reaction to religion that I had was kind of this like I'm using the word shame because it's like embarrassment for yourself kind of you know what I mean like oh god like I'm I'm cringe basically like knowing your nakedness <laughs> like that's, yes where I was like oh my god because literally what happened is like somebody told me in a church one time have you ever heard of Browns the Brownsville revival mm, I don't think so okay well I'll look it up though yeah okay I don't know it's pretty wild uh real bad experience for me um really intense experience what did they say to you it was, uh they said a lot of things um basically a revival is like this you go to a place they close the doors and you see different preachers they're probably making a hundred thousand dollars per discussion i have no idea but there was a lot of preachers and all sorts of things happen you know and there's like raising worship is like off the chain in like a weird way not like a good or bad way just like that's different <laughs> this is interesting it's off the chain uh, man this is off <laughs> the rocker like it was wild um but at one point just like for example of like the kind of things that went on inside this place i'm pretty sure this is fairly mainstream i don't know like the guy is a big church in florida but they were doing like this anointing with oil thing they had to like put a tarp out i think like they were pouring oil on the tarp so you could like walk in it and anoint your feet and like as people were like come like everybody like everyone could come like all thousands of these people could like come and walk through and get the pajama lava and then they fall down and like get covered with some kind of jesus blanket on the ground i mean just full of people like how old were you oh Somewhere between 12 and 16. I can't remember my life Mm time-wise. But somewhere in the teenage years. And, um, yeah. So, you know, so there's, like, tons of people that are getting, like, KO'd, like, knocked out by the preacher just with, like... So, okay. Mm -hmm. My experience of that was that, wow, this is legit. And crazy, oh my God. And in one fell swoop, this is really embarrassing for me, by the way. Oh, we have to cut this out of the podcast. Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't know. Because this is the shame thing I'm talking about. Like, I, I do not like, this is not a good time in my life. Okay. Oh. Most of my childhood was really a lot for me to bear. But, okay, let's just say we're cutting this out. I'll just tell you guys because it's interesting. Okay. Since I'm already in the story. So, me and Eric, me and a couple guys are, you know, wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. What kind of church do you go to? I've been to a church you're talking about. Okay, great. So, you know. We're in good so company. So, that's here. happening. Yeah. I mean, if you were like Methodist, I'd be like, you have to understand something about these churches. No, but okay. So, we were like just going around 
and it's a big, their lights are off. The music is playing. It's like nonstop, just like Jesus music, you know, five piece band, all that. Um, this oil ceremony things happening. Thousands of people going, you know, through the oil, fa- blah, 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 falling down. And I, me and some guys, we're in a youth group. We're visiting this church for the revival. Like we went to the revival and uh, we're like praying for people, you know, and there's a lot of like, ha la 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 ba la la, speaking in tongues, as they say. <laughs> and uh, interestingly enough, um, you walk up to somebody with your buddy and you just were like, just praying for people randomly. We don't, I don't know why we're doing this. No fucking clue. And, uh, so you just walk, cause it's like, just, it's a vibe, you know, it's like everyone took LSD. I'm trying, you, you mm. understand what I'm saying? It's like, a rave, a it's Christian like rave. L- it's LSD, like off the chain. I can't believe this is real. Okay. So then we're like going around and praying for people. People just start doing the thing. You go over, touch them. Boom. They just like fly over, just like fly over, you know, and you're like, what? fuck is happening. Ben, you have no idea, dude. <laughs> and um, so that's going on. We're doing that for a little while. And uh, then this guy from the our church, so one of the chaperones to this youth group from our church, comes over and it's all it takes, okay, for like my whole world to just fall apart. This guy comes up and goes, hey, hey guys, y'all need to stop. And we just go, okay. I mean, the world crashed around me. Um, mm. And it it fomented a, like an, a basically unconsolable, uh, truly clinical level depression. Uh, the likes of which I've never known since what was he referring to just you need to stop going playing for people stop doing that stop praying people stop touching people stop knocking people over i have no idea but it was just one sentence it was literally just you hey guys you need to stop and it was just like was it just you guys praying for people and like blowing people back or dude i don't know it was a rave man like it was what in my mind in what my experience was it was like i can't is like a drug you know is like just kind of incredible. It was like wild. It was really wild. I don't know what was going on, but it hit me when that guy said that. I was like, you fucking idiot. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. This is not real. And um, I went to this revival twice. So it was multi-year revival. And I don't remember which came first, the chicken, the first experience or the second experience. I've erased all timelines in my childhood so that I don't have to remember it. But it was um, one time the the negative feeling was instituted. And it was not just through that experience, but that moment was a life-changing moment for me. Uh, but there was also some really difficult messages that that church revival preached um, during the time there. And one of them was by the guy that ran that church. So that was like a big one, you know, it's like pyrotechnics and stuff. And his message was basically you need to be prepared to die. 
for Jesus. And he's like visuals of like people getting thrown into a lion's pit, like gladiator style, all that. So yeah. I was like, well, <clears throat> that sounds shitty. I don't know if I'm down for that. I'm 14. Um, so, so the second time it's kind of like, I went back to see if I could get over how bad the first time made me feel. And it, and it was 100% across the board, shame and guilt for totally different reasons. Like just, this was just like, uh, fully feeling my, you know, sins and shortcomings and being totally and utterly destroyed by the notion that like, I'm a piece of shit. And that's also stuck with me pretty well and formed the person I am. But so there was a reason I was telling all that story. The ultimate point that I think that that spurs from was my use of the word like shame, guilt, embarrassment. How ready are you to be wrong? Like how ready are you for your beliefs to come to you and go, hey, hey, buddy, stop doing that. Sit down. You're wrong. You know, like Mm -hmm. because that psychologically which is why i framed it that way was um that's where i'm coming from it was like utterly debilitating i can't believe i'm still here Mm, yeah i i appreciate you sharing that story it uh it's definitely impactful there yeah hello hello somebody say something okay I, i have it back i don't know what happened um I appreciate you sharing that, and it it, it kind of does speak to me in in two sense two two senses, right? Like, here I am on Substack, right, calling out Messiah twenty thirty. I'm calling out months, you know. I'm I'm calling out all these things, and and really, what I do fail to mention in the article is I I truly don't really know. Like, I would be a fool to say I know this is gonna happen. You know, I, th- these, these are my best guesses, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to like be shown something different, but so far that, that hasn't happened yet. I, I, I do think I could do a better job to say, yeah, you know, here's, here's the deal. Uh, like, I don't, I don't really know. This is just a guess. Um, but that could take up a whole Substack article, right? Trying to explain yeah. that sentiment. I think it's, it is kind of beside the point. Yeah. Um, well, it took me like an hour to like explain why one would even think that, like how personal of a feeling that can be. Cause I'm yeah. not, it's like, because it's and, such a big thing to be like, Hey, I'm quit. I'm not going to work anymore. Like I'm not going to have my job anymore. I'm going to, I'm like full time figuring this one thing out. Yeah. And in another sense, it is like, uh, un- another experience I had that yours reminded me of is, is literally something that happened to me yesterday. It's like, I'm in, I'm in, I go to a Bible study with some guys that go to my same gym. You know, we, we all grew up to with each other. We went to the same high school stuff like that, or a lot of us did. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I'll share what I am studying, you know, the things I write with them in our, our group chat. And, yesterday i shared the united nations thing you know how this could point to the Mm. last seven years right here it's a confirmation of seven-year covenant just like the bible says and uh the response was one one guy took it upon himself to be like uh, you know i view the tribulation as something more like 
symbolic and like all the old testament prophecies have already been fulfilled and all of revelation is just a vision it's meant to challenges challenge us it's not meant to you know mean anything concrete or real and that really like broke me the rest of the day i was like i had to really take a minute like i i responded kind of out of haste i think trying to just provide some scriptures about like okay here's here's maybe some things that point to these are actual events and here's some things from the old testament that don't point to jesus's first coming it's the second one uh but i really had to take the rest of the day to like reground myself and be like why do i believe the, that the old test like the old testament prophecies are about to be fulfilled why do i believe revelation isn't just symbolic and you know just all spiritual you know because that's that is a common viewpoint and a comforting one as well yeah yeah, yeah well i'm it, not even it, religious and i don't believe that it's just symbolic like i read your un thing and i was actually pretty compelled i was like yeah that's interesting Totally. Even with the biblical connection, you think there? I'm asking Ben. Like, you think there's something? Oh yeah, like that, I mean, there's something pretty wild there. There was something. I mean, just it's hard the, to deny, to be honest. Yeah, if you take the Christian calendar, the BC stuff. The thing that was most compelling to me is like, so Jesus died what when he was like 30, 33 or something. So that's you know, what 30 years after BC, like time started apparently because the birth of Christ. And then this whole agenda thing is like an agenda to 2030, which is like, what, like 2,000 years? And then people are like, a year is like 1,000 days, which it literally says in the Bible. And then it's like two days, twenty, you know, 2,000 years plus 30 is 2030. And that's what the UN is saying is like, in 2030, we're going to be having global government. And it's like, isn't that shocking? It's, it is pretty crazy. It's, but It's definitely with- one of the three scenarios we laid out. <laughs> Either it's a huge coincidence, the Bible's real, or they're making the Bible real. So yeah. one of those seems to be... Ha- pick your poison, but... But even with, with all that stuff, though, like the devil... Like, I, I truly feel like it was the devil. You know, I think it was even the devil in your experience, you know, overcoming that guy, getting in that guy's mind, just being like whispering in his ears to tell you guys something. Like, Yeah, I don't course, know. I've, you I'm... Could, s- I'm such a devil's advocate against social psycho. Ben is social. I am like, I am out of my mind, but <laughs> I, I literally don't, i literally think about that. And I'm like, I, I have no, I just, it's like a, everything for me. I don't know. Like I have no way of knowing. Cause I'm also totally willing for like, sometimes the most embarrassing moment can be something that you really need to hear. Like one time somebody told me, this is when I was like doing drug addict stuff and I was like getting sober or whatever. And somebody, my sponsor at the time told me, I said, I don't think people like me. I was like, why is that? You think I was like, you gotta just tell me like what's going on. And he said like a single thing. And I was like, damn, that's right. And it hurt me a little bit, but he said, you come across as entitled and, and kind of self-centered. Hmm. And I think I think I still actually probably come across that way to a lot of people. And I might be. And I just it's like one of those things that like kind of hurts. because I'm like, damn, that's real. I need to know that. Well, I wanted to turn the question back a little bit and be like, you know, a resolution to, you know, being wrong or not being wrong. It's like 
it almost doesn't matter if you just choose to become self-sufficient. Like if really what you're doing is saying, I reject this system of society, this community, whatever, corporate life, that career. It's like I'm just choosing to do something else and I don't need to do that. Then it's like it doesn't matter if the things you think are going to happen or whatever. It's like they happen or don't happen. It's like you can just be doing your own thing. And so I guess my question to you would be like how uh, – yeah, capable do you feel in being able to achieve like self-sufficiency? Well, I I wouldn't say self-sufficiency is my goal. Like my goal is like in a sense, I mm. guess, longevity so the word of God can be spread. Mm. So like if I'm in the tribulation, I have all these things happen, you know, there's not enough food to, in the grocery stores. Like that's what the the Bible seems to say is going to happen. Uh, like I'm, I'm prepared for it and I can point people to say, okay, here's the exact scriptures that say uh, this thing was coming. And I guess if it doesn't happen, um, you know, and there's still just, as I said, like a recession or whatever, uh, I'll still be able to like, I guess be self-sufficient, but the, the real goal is, I guess it isn't self-sufficiency. Like I don't want to be self-sufficient. Like I, mm -hmm. I, my end goal is to put my faith in Jesus, right? Like to love God before anything else. And so I guess this could be interpreted as self-sufficiency, but. Yeah, no, I'm glad I, you said that. I didn't mean to imply that that was your goal. I guess, yeah, sort of to what you're saying, that that is like a requirement in order to do the kinds of things that you want to do. Like in order to not be swept up in digital IDs and all this other stuff, you're going to have to be self-sufficient. Now, whether you know it stops yeah. there is like, who knows? Like what is the ultimate goal of like not being a part of that? Yeah, and it, it's also kind of like, you know, I, I view the end times judgment as the days of Noah. So Noah knew this flood was coming. Noah built a boat big enough for his family and all the animals, right? And But in other times of scripture, we, we have like Moses wandering through the desert for 40 days or 40 years or whatever it is. And in that time, God sent down like manna from heaven, like food and like Moses was able to break rocks open and, you know, have pure water run out. Like I do believe God can provide for people in that way. It's just like, there's also that tension between, okay, I know God can do this. Like I, there's no doubt in my mind that he can send food down from heaven or whatever. But there's also the balance of do not put the Lord to the test. And if I, I'm going to kind of stay towards that, if I can, especially if I am right, if the end times is coming, like if it's like the days of Noah, I want to have my ark prepared, you know? Hmm. And if that looks like quitting my job for a season to like build an ark full time, then, and that's what like, is being encouraged, not, not encouraged, but like kind of supported by my prayer life, by my scripture time, by, you know, my, even my community, like my family sees what I'm doing. My, my, not all of my friends, uh, some of them, uh, but you know, my church sees what I'm doing and they're like supportive of it. They're like, okay, yeah, this, this makes sense. If, if you're raptured, 
all this stuff is for other people that are left behind. If you're not, a tribulation is coming, whether it's just normal recession or the final tribulation, and you're going to be prepared for it, you know? Hmm. Yeah, because I guess, right, that's my take. It's like I I even feel motivated to do that, like to become self-sufficient, but not because, like, like you said, like not because self-sufficiency is the goal necessarily, but because I don't want to have to be a part of these other things, like kind of back to where we started, like the company's doing the gay thing or whatever. And it's like, I, that's not for me. Like, I don't put the flag up and, you know, whatever. It's like, I'm trying to do something else. And in order to do something else, it's like, I feel increasingly like I have to do my own thing and be self-sufficient in some way. And that could look a lot of different ways. You know, maybe it doesn't look like doomsday prepping. Maybe it looks like going out and buying some land and living on a freedom commune or, you know, like people are doing that. Or maybe it looks like something else. I don't know. And I guess that seems more, yeah, what I feel geared toward or what draws me. Um, But yeah, yeah. It definitely takes a lot of, it takes a leap of faith, I guess you could say, to quit your job and do your own thing, you know. Obviously, you don't have income. If an emergency happens... Uh, you gotta dive into the savings account and stuff like that. So I am trying to be smart about it. I encourage everyone to be smart about it in that regard as well. Yeah. You know, well, I think so. you got to take other people too. It's like, I, I just think, yeah, there's a community of people who feel similarly to this. Like I don't agree with the direction of society or whatever. And, I want something different and not everyone feels that way. Obviously it's easy to go with the tide or whatever, take, uh, go with the flow. And, uh, yeah, I do feel that it feels like difficult, not just because it would be hard to learn new things. Um, but also difficult to leave people behind, you know, like leave a system, a community that you're a part of, you know, in some sense to form a new community. And for some people, it's also hard to, like, leave behind, you know, I don't know, what the world sees as the epitome of society, you know, driving that Lamborghini in that Mm. 12,000 square foot house, you know, influencer, whatever you want to call it. Like, if you're leaving your job because of beliefs like these, like, whether you believe in the Bible or just believe the world is going in a harmful direction, like you're you're kind of giving that stuff up too in my opinion that's not to say you can't be the leader of another community though you know and that could be a lot more fulfilling if you're you know leading a community in the right direction rather than the leader the the of a community that's just falling apart well that's yeah i think the danger of like not being able to be self-sufficient or whatever. It's like, if there is a crisis, which it seems like we're on the brink of, and maybe we're always on the brink of, it's like the, you know, the fear is that you, if you're not prepared in some way to be self-sufficient, you could run or be forced straight into the arms of, you know, some powerful person or group that sweeps in and says, we're going to establish a new order now. We're in charge, you know. Anyway, well... 
This has been very riveting. I appreciate you, yeah, taking the time to sit down for this very long conversation. But yeah, it's very interesting. Well, I I had a great time as well. This has been uh, one of my one of my favorite prophecy conversations, prophecy current event, whatever you want to call it, conversations I've had in a while. So. Oh, 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 oh